We are in lesson 108 tonight. Brother Eddie's passing out the, the sheet. Uh, 108. Or if you just want to follow along in the Bible, we'll be in uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Sort of a continuation of our, uh, our class on Sunday morning. Uh, this, this final discourse, uh, this final uh, speech that Jesus has for uh, his apostles. But remember... Uh, we only have 11 of the apostles with him right now. Uh, Judas has gone. Uh, he has decided to betray Jesus, and so he's going back uh, to the Jewish leadership to set, up, set that up. And so Jesus is having this discussion uh, with the, uh, the 11 remaining uh, apostles. And we recall that the, the Passover meal has been uh, partaken. They've uh, gone through that. They've eaten that. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper uh, last uh, or a couple classes ago. And now he is, again, he's getting them ready, right? He, he's warning them about things that are going to happen. He's explaining some things that are going to happen, and he's encouraging them. You, uh, remember the, uh, the very first verse of, of John chapter 14, he says, uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled, right? Because he is going to prepare a place for them. Again, encouraging them uh, in that way. And uh, we, saw, we saw that three of those apostles that we haven't really heard from that much in the, in the gospel accounts speak up. Uh, first, we had Thomas speaking up and saying, Lord, I don't know where you're going. Where are you going? And I, I don't know the way, right? And Jesus responded to that by saying that I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And then Philip spoke up and said, uh, you know, show us the Father. Uh, where is the Father? And Jesus kind of rebuked him a little bit. And said something to the effect of, you know, I've been with you for how long, Philip? And you have not come to know me, come to know that, you know, I'm God. And uh, we, we also sort of talked about how, you know, hopefully that could never be said of us, right? The, the, on that day of judgment when we're before our Lord. Whoa. <laughs> A little bit of feedback there. Uh, but again, hopefully when we are before God in the judgment, that he would never say that of us, right? The, that how long have I been with you, right? How long have you had the scriptures and you haven't come to know me? And, and then, of course, he says right after that, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, Jesus also promised to send uh, someone to them. And who was that? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he, he, in my translation, he refers to him as the helper. And again, we sort of talked about the different translations. Maybe your Bible says that he's going to send the comforter or the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor. Sort of a lot of different ways to translate this Greek word, uh, the, uh, the parakletos, the paraclete. Uh, but it just, you know, again, it means simply someone who's going to be by your side. Right? And, and Jesus says, I have to go. But I'm going to send the, the, the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to help bring those things into your remembrance. And we didn't really get to talk too much about verse 31, the last verse here in chapter 14. But I just wanted to kind of mention it really quickly here. Uh, that He says at the very end of it, get up, let us go from here. And uh, again, there's just kind of... You know, I like to, when I'm studying, I like to, again, refer to the context, refer to, you know, where we're at, who's speaking, who's there. And, you know, there's sort of a difference of opinions as to, you know, what's going on here. Is, 
Remember, they're in the upper room when Jesus is teaching them these things. And so uh, the next couple of chapters, Jesus is going to continue to teach them. And so we don't necessarily know, is this on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane? Are they still in the upper room? Uh, as maybe Jesus is saying, hey, let's go. But they're still kind of uh, you know, making their way out of the upper room while he continues to teach that. Uh, but either way, uh, we know, again, that in a few chapters, they're going to be making their way to the garden. And so uh, we'll keep that in mind uh, as we continue on in, here into John chapter 15. Again, this, this, uh, this discourse continues uh, that Jesus has to, to teach them. Uh, we're going to talk really about the first 11 verses mostly tonight. Uh, hopefully we can get to maybe the end a little bit. But there is this... Um, this great teaching, hopefully, that you're familiar with, that Jesus uh, has here about the, the vines and the branches. The vines and the branches. Who here likes fruit? Okay. Wow, okay, so we've got some hands rising. Uh, I'm not a big fruit uh, person. Um, I, don't, I think I'm, I might actually be allergic to a lot of fruit. Uh, uh, so I don't, I send the take, I uh, we'll not always, I guess, go for it, but it looks like there's a lot of you that enjoy fruit, and that's a good thing. Um, but there's a lot of questions when I have uh, that come to mind about fruit. Uh, you know, like, what's the difference between a fruit and a vegetable? Okay, fruit, fruits have seeds in it, and... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, that, that's a good point, and we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but that's a question that I often uh, have, because sometimes, you know, you don't always distinguish the two. You know, like a tomato, right? Is a tomato a fruit, or is it a vegetable? <laughs> I, I've read that it's both, actually. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those great questions that we often ask. Uh, did you ever have like a grandparent or somebody tell you that, um, you know, be careful of swallowing a seed, uh, you know, like a fruit seed, like a watermelon seed, because it might actually start to grow inside of you? You know, uh, maybe that's the reason I'm not a big fan of fruit, uh, because of uh, the fear of having, you know, <laughs> a watermelon grow inside. Um, here's a trick question for you. What was the forbidden fruit in Genesis chapter 3? Well, it's often depicted as an apple, isn't it? Uh, in our, uh, our English uh, literature and, and those pictures that we see of Adam and Eve, they're, they're often depicted of eating that apple, but we're really never told, are we? We're just told uh, not to eat of the fruit of that certain tree. But again, you know, we, uh, we see, you know, fruit is, again, something that we're all familiar with. And, and the Bible says that as Christians, we need to produce fruit. Uh, now, is that talking about us starting our own garden and growing uh, fruit? It's different, isn't it? Uh, it's a metaphor for, well, we'll get into here in, in, a, in a moment, but, you know, Jesus... Remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, said uh, you can uh, know people, uh, you can understand people by the fruit that they produce. And again, we're not talking about a garden that they're growing, but it's about the work, their works, about their, 
their life, you know, their fruits. And uh, so it's important, as we're going to study here this evening, that, you know, it's important for us to bear good fruit. Bear good fruit. And so here's uh, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Um, Again, uh, maybe if you've read the curriculum, it talks about, hey, uh, why is Jesus bringing this up, this imagery of, of vines and branches? And, you know, maybe it's because he just got done talking about the Lord's Supper, or maybe it's because, uh, you know, he, he sees uh, th- these vines growing on, you know, the wall uh, of maybe the place that they're at. Maybe they're, maybe as we just saw at the end of chapter 14, maybe they're actually on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they pass by a vineyard. Uh, whatever it is, you know, Jesus brings this to their mind. Uh, obviously, it's something that they would be well-versed in. They would understand uh, the ins and outs of a vineyard. But more important than the why Jesus uh, is teaching uh, in this, uh, this fashion is what. What does this mean? And so, um, so let's, uh, let's just, I guess, jump in and uh, as we read through John chapter 15, uh, there are some words that keep coming up uh, over and over again. Um, he's going to talk about his commandments. Uh, he, he talked about that a couple of times in the last chapter, uh, but he's going to bring them up again here. He's, he's going to say that three times, the word commandments. Uh, he's going to say the word fruit eight times. So th- that's another key word in this chapter, fruit. And another key word, uh, two key words actually, ten times he's going to say the, the word abide. And the word love, uh, you need to abide uh, in, in me, he'll say uh, at least 10 times. And so uh, those are the sort of the key words that we'll want to watch out for. Let, but let's just go ahead and read John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 11. Uh, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him He bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. Okay, so I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, This is, uh, you remember we've talked about uh, as we've gone through, you know, the book of John that There are these I am statements that Jesus has made. This is actually the last one that he's going to make uh, here in verse 1. I am the true vine. And again, when we read that in our English translations, it's not 
that significant to us that, that he, he's just basically saying, I am the true vine. Right? But in, in uh, the Greek and what they would have understood during that day is by Jesus saying, I am the, the true vine. You know, I am um, Exodus chapter three, verse 14. I am who I am. Right. He's declaring his deity to them. Uh, I am, you know, the, the self-existent one. I, I am God. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, here. Uh, this time he's saying it to his apostles, though. When he said it in the past uh, to maybe some of the Jew, Jewish leaders or some of the, just the Jewish crowds, you know, remember they got upset that he would say something like that. Um, but again, this is, the point is, is he's saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, he said, you know, I am the bread of life. I am the door to the sheep. Uh, some of the other I am statements. I am the way and the truth and the life. And again, he is, um, he is promoting his divinity. That, that, again, he is the son of God here. Before we uh, jump into what that means, I want to quickly talk about what, what that doesn't mean. Um, have you ever heard this before? Uh, various denominations will say that... Um, you know, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And they'll say that the branches represent various denominations. Have you, have you heard that before? That's uh, a very popular teaching, isn't it? Uh, that, that Jesus is the vine and then off the vine are all these different branches and they represent different denominations, right? One, or one branch might represent the Baptist church. Another, vine, or, excuse me, another branch might represent the Lutheran church you know, the Methodist church, and so on and so forth. And just on the outset of that, why, why can't that be the case? Well, first of all, Christ died for his church. There's not going to be many churches. Second of all, it makes sense that it's us because we're bearing fruit for him, for his Okay, one sure. Those branches should be just alike. There should be no difference in the branches themselves. And if each branch represents a denomination, there's a problem because the branches do not look just alike. And it gets back to this idea that's already been mentioned in one church. Yeah, so I think everybody hit on every single point that I had to make here was, uh, you know, number one, um, has Jesus' church come into existence at this point in John chapter 15? No, not yet. Not yet. And so there's no such thing as a denomination at this point. They, the apostles uh, would have no idea, you know, what a denomination is, right? And so to say that Jesus here is teaching that he is the true vine and that denominations are the branches, that would make no sense to them, would it? Uh, as Mike pointed out, you know, I think probably one of the, the bigger points that we could mention here is, you know, um, vines don't produce different branches, do they? Uh, have you ever seen a tomato vine that produced watermelons? It doesn't happen, does it? And so for, um, for, for Jesus to, you know, preach the gospel, for him to give this message to his apostles, you know, and for them to preach this message, to preach the gospel, are, are they going to be preaching these various forms of doctrines, uh, denominational doctrines? 
They're not, are they? Because they are all teaching the same thing from that true vine. From, from the, and Jesus, again, is the vine. So we just want to make that point first, is that the branches don't represent various denominations. And again, that's, you know, how many of you have read um, Muscle and the Shovel? You know, we, yeah, we have that book out back if, uh, if you care to want to read it. Or you can take that uh, for yourself. It's free. Uh, but that's one of the big things that I remember from that book is, uh, you know, it's a true story. It's very easy to read. It's, uh, it's a very good read, actually. And that's a man by the name of Michael Shank who is uh, he's searching for truth, right? And he's uh, going from denomination to denomination searching for the true church. And one of the things that brought up is John chapter 15, right? He goes to, I can't remember which denomination it was, but they told him exactly that, right? That uh, these different branches out there represent different denominations. And that's sort of one of the key parts of that book is discussing uh, John chapter 15 and and divulging into that it just can't be what uh, what was being taught. Because again, uh, you're not going to have a watermelon vine uh, producing tomatoes, right? And so if Jesus is teaching this one doctrine, the, uh, this, this one um, gospel, there can't be these various different gospels and various different denominations out there. That just does, it doesn't make sense. And so here's what Jesus is teaching here. Uh, John chapter 15 and uh, verse 1, branch, branches on these vines, they, they have a purpose, and that purpose is what? To bear, to bear fruit. And he's going to say that over and over again. Um, and he even mentions the vine dresser in verse 1. The vine dresser is his father, he says. And he's going to, what's he going to do to the branches uh, that don't produce? Yeah, he says he's going to cut them off. Why would you cut off a branch that's not producing anything? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's useless, isn't it? it? It's doing nothing but you know taking again the nutrients that uh, that the good branches, the healthy branches, could be using. And and so here's that parallel. Uh, he's talking about the vine with the branches. Again, the branches represent uh, the apostles, but also in uh, you know we also apply that to ourselves, Christians, uh, the Christians. And as Christians, we have a purpose as well, right, to, to bear fruit. Uh, verse 8 is, you know, this, this really hit me when I was reading this earlier. Uh, verse 8 that talks about uh, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples, right? Uh, there's a reason why we must bear fruit as Christians, uh, because it proves, right? It proves that we're his disciples to do so. Um, what is the fruit we are to bear. Now, this isn't necessarily in the text that we just read. Uh, we'll have to go elsewhere in Scripture. But what is the fruit we are to bear? Grow and mature as Christians. Bring others to Christ. Okay. Share the great news. Okay, yeah, th- those are a lot of good examples. There's one in particular I'm looking for. Uh, that in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, right. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. 
You know, Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. You know, he lists these nine attributes uh, that are, uh, again, relevant to uh, the Christian, right? These are the type, this is the type of life that, or excuse me, this is the type of fruit that you should be bearing as a Christian. Uh, showing, showing these things, love, patience, kindness, again, all of these different things. And we don't necessarily have the time to go throughout uh, the whole uh, Bible uh, to point to some of these things, but I'll just read them off. Uh, the fruit of holiness, Romans chapter 6. Uh, the fruit of the lips, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Right? The, the songs that we sing, the, the, thing, the prayers that we pray, uh, those, those are fruit as well. Uh, the fruit of divine wisdom, James chapter 3. The fruit of good works, Colossians chapter 1. The fruit of sharing, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 17. And so, again, uh, the Christian is to bear fruit, right? We are to um, have these, thing, these different things in our lives. Um, I wonder if I skipped over, uh, well, we'll just have to go ahead and go uh, with that. These are the, again, these are the attributes that a Christian should be bearing in their lives, right? And remember in Matthew chapter 3, uh, Jesus said, uh, every tree that does not bear good fruit is what? Cut down, taken down. Yeah, um, you know, we've already sort of touched on that as well. Uh, but then, then on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, uh, Jesus was talking about false teachers and said, Beware of uh, those in sheep's clothing. And do you remember what he said after that in the next verse? You will know them by, by their fruit. And he actually then repeats that in verse 20 as well. All right? uh, uh, you can spot a false teacher, he said, by their fruit. Uh, is their life filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, or not? Uh, you can tell. Uh, you know, some preachers have often said from those verses is that, you know, we are to be fruit inspectors, right? Uh, uh, that's how we uh, inspect to see if someone uh, is a false teacher. Again, are they showing uh, these signs of, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, what, are fruit, what type of fruit Again, are they bearing? And so, um, let me ask you real quick about fruit in general. Uh, what, why do you think God chose to use a description of fruit, a bearing fruit? Um, you know, what is it about fruit that's sort of special, sort of unique? Can we think all the way back into Genesis chapter 1, what God told uh, you know, Adam eventually to do, and he, he tells Abraham, be yeah, be fruitful and multiply. Well, what is it about a fruit uh, that, you know, um, that sort of correlates with uh, you know, multiplying? Yeah, we kind of touched on that at the beginning, right? The fruit has the seeds. And, uh, you know, again, you plant that seed, and it's going to produce that same exact thing, right? An apple seed's going to produce an apple, and, and the fruit of one Christian uh, hopefully is going to produce another. And who bears the fruit? Is it the vine or is it the branches? 
It's the branches, isn't it? And again, the, the vine represents Jesus. The branches represent us. Right? It's, it's we who are to be bearing uh, this fruit. Uh, but we can't do that apart from the vine. And we'll, we'll talk about that here more in a moment. Um, I don't know, does your translation, I, I forgot to check this, but does it use the term abide, uh, sort of like I read? No, it doesn't. No? What does yours use? Remain. Remain, okay. Yeah, that, that, the idea here, uh, Jesus saying over and over again, abide in me, uh, remain in me, uh, is, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting word. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're passing through, but it means we're, we're taking up residence. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we're staying in there. Um, where is salvation located? In Christ. in Christ. There's only two verses in Scripture that tell us how to get into Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6, Galatians chapter 3. How do we get into Christ according to those two verses? Baptism, right. Uh, both of those verses tell us we are baptized into Christ. Salvation is in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. In Him, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says we are a new creation or a new creature, depending on your translation. And Paul even says in Ephesians chapter 1 that these things are found only in Christ. Do you remember what he says? All... Spirit, all spiritual blessings, right? All spiritual blessings are found in Christ. So it's important that we abide in Christ, isn't it? It's essential, right, to, to our spiritual life and growth. Um, we can't grow, we can't, um, you know, prosper if we're not attached to that vine. Uh, and he mentions that uh, quite a bit here uh, in these verses. Um, why are some not bearing fruit? I guess verse 5 is going to answer that for us. The, the very last part of that. For apart from me... You can do nothing. Right? Some do not bear fruit for Christ because they are not attached to Christ. Right? They're, they're one of those uh, branches that he talks about that has been cut off. Right? Cut off, set, severed from the, the true vine. And again, what does he mention is going to happen to those types of branches? Trimmed. Right, they're going to be gathered up. They're, they're dried up, thrown away. Cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, isn't that pointing us to uh, something? Again, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire... And they are burned. Right? A branch that is not abiding uh, in the true vine, it's useless, isn't it? Uh, it's not growing. It's not producing fruit. 
And according to Jesus, I think what he's alluding to is, is hell, right? They're, they're going to be cast into hell, burned up, um, again, dried up. So our relationship with Jesus is, again, is important for us to be bearing fruit. Uh, that's the reason why we are bearing fruit is because of that relationship with Jesus, because we are abiding in him, because we are connected to that, again, that, that, true, that true vine. Um, the curriculum talks about some requirements of bearing fruit, and I know we're running quickly out of time, uh, but it talks about uh, if we want to be uh, true fruit bearers, uh, that we need to be uh, uh, submissive, Right? Uh, verse 1 talks about, again, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Um, we must have a submissive spirit, right? Because we're not the vine dressers. Uh, we're not even the vine. Again, we are the branches. We are dependent on both of those. Um, the, the vine dresser, uh, my translation says he, he prunes, right? Or he cleans the, the branches, right? He takes care. Uh, how many, uh, you know, grow a garden and have to, you know, go in and prune some of the, you know, the, the dried, dead up, uh, the dried or dead uh, branches from those things that whatever you're growing. Right? That, that's God here. He, he, he prunes. He, he takes care of those things. And so that's not us. Right. We are dependent upon the vine dresser and the vine as the branches. Uh, we must be studious. Uh, look at verse 3 again. Um, you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. If we're not, into, if we're not in the word, if we're not studying the word, knowing the word, um, you know, we're, we're not clean according to that verse. Or uh, pruned like a branch. Uh, we must have committed hearts. Verse 5 again talks about uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? We, we need to be committed to Jesus. And uh, finally, it talks about having a determined attitude. Right? Because again, as we've talked about over and over again uh, this evening, the, the branch, the nature of the branch is to grow. And if that's not our attitude to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, as Peter says at the end of his epistle, uh, then you know, what are we doing? If we're not growing in Christ, if we're not... Um, Again, if we're not bearing fruit, what are some of the results? Uh, what are some of the results of bearing fruit according to Jesus in these, in these verses? Sorry? Did you say something? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some of the results of bearing fruit, you know, what I just mentioned was, uh, you know, again, we'll experience sp spiritual growth. I mean, that's obviously one of them. Look at verse 7. We didn't really talk about this one too much. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Is that verse talking about prayer? And what's he say about prayer according to verse 7? We have to be abiding in him, don't we, uh, in order for him to answer our prayers. Uh, we show ourselves to be true disciples. We already uh, met, talked about that in verse 8. Uh, 
if you bear much fruit. And so by doing that, you prove to be my disciples. In verse 11, we didn't really talk about this one too much, but again, he says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. Is there a difference between happiness and joy? Yeah, happiness is temporary. Joy is uh, long-lasting and, and attitude. And so appreciate uh, everyone's, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, appreciate everyone tonight. And we will jump into John chapter 16 Sunday morning and finish this discourse.